Welcome to Answers That Count. If you own a business, you can count on us to give you the answers you need to succeed in all aspects of your business. And now, here's your host, Charles Musgrove. Hello and welcome back. I am your host, Charles Musgrove of Answers That Count. Thank you for joining us for another exciting show. This is going to be a great show. I think all of our shows are great, but I am really have a biased opinion on that. So uh, stick around for this show. We've got a great guest and... It is not hardcore business, but it's stuff that deal that really affects everyday business life and really everyday personal life. So uh, if you want to check out our other shows, you know where, where to find them. We're on all your favorite podcast channels, and we're also on YouTube. We're on Roku TV, and we're on Amazon Fire TV. So when you go to those channels, be sure to subscribe and hit the notification button so that you'll be notified when we drop a new show. And just as a reminder, we are at... Uh, the 30A TV station, and we're at Studio A, and the A is for answers that count. And I want to welcome our guest of the day, Melissa Hughes. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. This is going to be a great show. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. All right, so tell us where we are at October the 23rd, 2020. So tell me where where are you coming from today? So where, what is your base at? I am in Naples, Florida. Naples, Florida. So we are in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. So we're in beautiful, sunny Florida. And I don't know what your weather's like down there uh, today, but our weather is just gorgeous outside. It's gorgeous. This is why we live here. It's absolutely beautiful. It is beautiful. And I hope we have a great weekend. But even if it rains, it's still going to be a great weekend. So we're going to have a positive outlook. And I've learned part of that from you. So you've reinforced that (laughs) to uh, have a sunny outlook on every day that gets started. And, you know, that has been, uh, before we get started in, in the topic, tell us your expertise. I know that you have, you're the author of two books, and I'm going to read this. It is uh, Happy Hour with Einstein, and the second book is Happier Hour with Einstein, Another Round. So uh, tell us a little bit about your expertise and what, what led you to write those books. So I have to go back just a few years. I started my career in a fourth grade classroom. And That's a long time I was ago. that wait yes, a minute now you were not in fourth grade, but it was a fourth grade classroom. I was the teacher okay. in a fourth grade classroom. And I was that teacher who was going to change the world one child at a time, like in all those cheesy sayings. Right. Um, but at the end of my first year, I sat down with my mentor and we did a little bit of a postmortem to talk about what really worked well and um, what I wanted to improve upon for the next year. And my question was, how can I really be the most effective teacher possible if I don't understand how the brain learns? And that was kind of where this neuroscience journey started. And for example, it would have been very helpful for me to know that cortisol actually shrinks brain cells and um, pierces the cell wall of neurons and, and actually kills them. Um, and so at the, uh, at, during those times where we were stressing kids out over the Ohio proficiency test and then telling them to go in there and do your very best, like those two things don't happen at the same time. You can't be stressed out and do your best thinking right. at the same time. So that, that is so interesting that that's, that that evaluation of your career drove you to that. Let's go back to how the brain functions. Interesting. Right. And, and then, you know, I, I left the classroom and I went to um, on to do other things in my professional career, but but I kept 
exploring this neuroscience stuff. And what I really found was that people learning, number one, learning is not confined to a classroom. And number two, everybody cares about how their brain works and how to make it work better. And they might not care about the research the way I do because I am a complete neuroscience geek and I, I unabashedly own that. I, I like that. And, and uh, the fact that you say that, and I read that in your bio that you're going to, you're going to show that's right. So uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but people do care about understanding those factors that either impede or enhance brain function, whether that is creativity or collaboration or focus and concentration. I mean, we need different things from our brain at different times. And now we know that we literally have much more control over the brain and getting what we need when we need it than we once thought. And so we're in a great time. Yeah, I think, you know, that is so interesting. And I have to uh, say and and just kind of let the audience know this. I was I first met you a couple of weeks ago at I was at a at a uh, seminar uh, presented by the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association, and you were one of the speakers there. And I found the the topic just so fascinating, and it really resonated on so many different levels on things that we've gone through in 2020. I mean, this is the the longest decade this past year that anybody has ever lived through in 2020. So uh, it it has when you talk about stress and the effects of uncertainty and stress that that really we've lived that and we're still living that so many people have had to adapt and adjust and survive and and try to figure out just how to take the next step so that just is i want to relate that what we've lived in in 2020 to how how the brain deals with stress and how we should how leaders and how individuals should deal with that how can we prepare ourselves to deal with that that, that, is, that is such a great topic to talk about right now because everything COVID is uncertainty. Yeah. I mean, we don't know when this is going to be over. And I don't care what industry you're in, you're probably being impacted by COVID somewhere, whether it is losing your job or working from home or not knowing if you're going to send your kids to school or not knowing if you're going to go to Thanksgiving this year. But COVID has just thrown us all into this weird space of uncertainty. And what we know about uncertainty is that uncertainty causes more stress than a known negative outcome. For example, if we know something bad is going to happen, then even though that bad thing is not what we would pick, we can still facilitate our thinking brain and we can work through what options do we have. When we don't know what's going to happen, our stress actually peaks when there's a 50-50 chance that that bad thing could happen or not. I think that's, that's so interesting. Our, yeah. That's when our stress is the highest. Yeah. When we don't So know. you could know that there's a bad thing happening, whether that's physical pain or whether that's a bad outcome that you've got to live through. You can your Your stress level is lower with the certainty of something bad happening than the uncertainty knowing if it's going to happen or not. Absolutely. And I always, I use the example of being in a car and you're driving to an appointment and you give yourself plenty of time to get to your appointment. And then you come upon a traffic jam. And as you sit in the traffic jam, you look at the ETA on your GPS. And the longer you sit there, the closer it gets to the time, your appointment time. 
And the closer it gets to your important time, what happens to your stress? Stress goes up. It keeps going up and up and up. And once you get to that place where you know, there's absolutely no way I'm going to make this meeting. I'm, I'm going to be late for my appointment. Although that's not the outcome that you want, your stress goes down because right. now there's nothing you can do. And, you know, once you make that call and you say, I'm going to be late for the meeting or whatever, now you feel so much better than you did when that it was 50-50, when it was right there on the edge of maybe I can make it, maybe I can't. You know, and when you think about what happens Today with COVID and last, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I met you at the at the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association, hospitality has been hit hard. Exactly, I mean, it has yeah. been crushed by COVID, and part of that is, you know, just the not knowing of it all. And and so I say to leaders that I speak with all the time, you don't have to know all the answers, but but if you're not sharing any information with your folks, even just talking to your people and saying, you know, I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but I know this is what we have control over. Because when we ease uncertainty, we don't ease uncertainty by making something good happen. We ease uncertainty by taking control. Yes. Because the stress of uncertainty comes with a lack of control. Right. So <clears throat> there's so many thoughts going through my mind right now to ask you. But if you have if you if you if you know that the uncertainty is the big cause of the stress level and the pain, you may not can determine remove total uncertainty, but you can also you can you can also educate yourself and prepare yourself for what happens if these scenarios come to fruition. And if you know that, and if you've already dealt with that in your mind, okay, if this bad thing happens, if you're not going to make your appointment, this is what I'm going to do. Or let's go ahead and prepare the person that I'm going to meet with that I may not be there. And if I don't, this is what happens. Then your stress is relieved before you know that you're going to make it or not. So what are the steps that should, that people, leaders in particular can do to relieve that that uncertainty, even though they don't resolve the uncertainty? So that's a great question. And, and especially with COVID, we don't always have the power to resolve the uncertainty because we don't know. Right. But the, but understanding that the stress of uncertainty comes with a lack of control. And so one of the things that you can do to really reinforce uh, a sense of control in people is just what you said. We, when we have options, we feel better. Right. When we have choices, we feel better. So, you know, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but there are some things that we can do today that no matter what happens tomorrow, it's, this is what we can do today. And that is giving us a sense of control. The other piece of that for leaders is this is somewhat counterintuitive, but the more we are able to contribute to something bigger than ourselves, the more in control we feel. Interesting. So, so, you know, we, in times like this, we've, there are all kinds of studies where, where folks have kind of looked at where organizations are cutting costs and they're going to their employees and saying, well, we're only opening our restaurant at 50% capacity, or we're only a takeout or, you know, wherever the cuts have been made in your organization. And so by giving people an opportunity to contribute in ways that they may not have been contributing before, 
like it's counterintuitive because you think, well, why would they want to do more work or why would they want to do work mm-hmm. they weren't doing before? But framed in a way where they feel a sense of contribution and they can contribute to being part of the solution. Interesting. That helps ease their stress. Yeah. So it's a it's a win win. You know, it's a double bang. So yeah, the uh, w- w- we had talked about this off off camera before also, but and if you go through and I don't know if you participated in an act, active shooter training or preparation process before but i've done that with our organization and that's part of the easing the uncertainty as well because all of this relates to when you're under stress you're unable to and i want you to explain this but you're you're thinking the thinking part of your brain is either disabled or it's diminished so the more you can prepare in advance and go and have a uh, a routine or a memorized uh, function that you rely less on the thinking at the time that it's happening and it's an automatic response. That's so true. So Daniel Kahneman talks about this as systems one and systems two thinking. But basically, if you think about how the brain develops, the brain develops from the bottom up and the back forward. So the first part of the brain to develop is the brainstem. And and it handles all of those automatic functions that keep us alive. The second part of the brain that develops is our limbic system. It sits right in the center of the brain, and it's what helps us manage and respond to emotions. So that's the emotion part. So emotion is not first, but it's second. So that's why emotion drives so many decisions that we make. That's right. And um, the third part of the brain to develop is the neocortex specifically the prefrontal cortex, which is the part that sits right behind your forehead, is the very last part of the brain to develop. And it doesn't even, it's not even done until we're about in our mid-20s. That's scary. So, yeah, it's very scary. But if you think about, you know, for a long time, rental car companies wouldn't rent a car to you if you were under 25. Right. And largely that's because you don't have the impulse control or the judgment or you don't weigh risk and reward. That's where all of those executive functions live. So when I talk about the limbic system, managing and responding to emotions, when when we feel a certain emotion, the limbic system says, is that a good emotion? If that's a good emotion, if that's a positive emotion, if I feel a sense of psychological safety, then I'm going to release chemicals that activate the prefrontal cortex, the thinking brain. But if that emotion puts me in a state of threat or danger, what we call psychological unsafety, mm-hmm. then, then it's going to send those chemicals downstairs to the survival brain. And the important thing to remember about this is that the neural priority here is not to, for us to think. Right. We like to think that our rational thinking brain is in charge all the time, but our neural priorities are first to keep us alive. Survival. Second, to allow us to feel to feel good about our emotions. it. Right. That's right. And third is to think. That's the third So priority. that's the la- your la- <laughs> the last process of your brain to work is the thinking part. Exactly. And so your your point earlier about in in the survival training um, when the brain is stressed or it is um, uh, the survival brain is in charge and um, 
those chemicals that are released automatically prepare the whole body for fight or flight. Right. But in doing so, it also deactivates the, the thinking, thinking part. brain. Right. It puts the prefrontal cortex on pause so as to allocate all the neural resources to keep you alive because that's the priority. Right. I think that's so interesting and that relates so well to the the COVID uncertainty that so many people and businesses have, have gone through in, in 2020 and that if you're uncertain and you don't feel comfortable, you don't feel good, then you're not sending any any neurons or any juice over to the, the frontal lobe, so you're not thinking through. So that that just really inhibits, and it kind of, as as people will say, you go into the fetal position where you just don't know what to do. You just curl up in a ball. And I don't know about you. You probably had more of these conversations that I have, but so many people that I've talked to, that's kind of what they've described and that they're just in a shell. They just feel frozen. Yeah. So fight or flight is now being uh, redefined as fight, flight, or freeze because so many people do just freeze. And um, there's a saying in psychology that doing nothing is a choice too. Yeah. Right. Um, But it is also, you know, when you think about uh, how all of the incoming stimuli, everything that the brain has to process, um, it does rely on shortcuts. And it likes those things that are routine or deeply ingrained in our brain so that it doesn't have to think about things. And when we are in those times of, uh, of increased stress, our survival brain looks for those routines. It looks for those places where it doesn't have to think, where it can just rely on habit right. and pattern. Yeah, the habit and the pattern. So tell... So tell us, tell the business owner how how they can equip their employees, equip their business in these uncertain times. What should they do? How, should they? I know communication is one of those things that's, that's used to, to cure everything. But what yeah. if the business owner is also dealing with these same uh, brain issues and their brain is not functioning correctly? How do they have to get themselves in a state of position where they're able to? communicate effectively and help uh, effectively help their employees. That's right. And I think the old saying, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Yes. It really rings true here. Absolutely. Because as a leader, your people are looking to you to, to see that they're trying to find out and ease their stress based on the signals that you're sending. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Um, but that also doesn't mean that you, you you put on this rosy exterior and you let you share that everything's okay with everyone if it's not. The part, like I said, people would much rather know bad news than wonder about bad news. Right. The unknown is always scarier than the known. So understanding that. And then as leaders, understanding what is it that you're doing to manage your stress levels. There's all kinds of things. If you're an exercise person, you know, taking, maybe you're not going to the gym these days, but taking a a walk outside does wonders for the stress level. And even something as simple as a 15 minute walk floods the brain with oxygen. So it makes you think a little bit better. So that's good too. Um, Music. If, If music is your thing, there are all kinds of studies out there on 
not just specific genres of music, but also specific songs that are designed to bring stress level down. So there's one particular song by Marconi Union. It's called Weightless. And it's actually uh, been proven to decrease stress by 65% as measured by heart rate and blood pressure and perspiration. Um, but they've also said, don't listen to weightless while you're operating heavy machinery or driving a car. <laughs> um, so whatever that, but, but whatever it is that you find you're doing to help reduce your stress, once you figure that out, then share that with your folks, because it does two things. It gives people another strategy right, to try, right. but it also says it's okay. I don't have all the answers and I'm stressed too. And I'm doing the best I can because the other thing that people need to know is that they're not alone. Right. That's true. They're they part of They're part of a group. Yeah. That's right. So if you do we'll role play just a little bit. So if you're the, the leader of a company, uh, people are looking to you for answers and, and to give them the oxygen mask. So if you, if you figure out, let's say that, you're the leader and you have taken the oxygen mask. So you've kind of stabilized yourself and you have figured out, okay, if this happens, then we're going to do this. So you've kind of worked it out in your mind, the, the scenarios and the different options that are in play and what you'll do if this happens, kind of an if, if then situation. And then there's some of those that it would be healthy to communicate that to the employees. There may be some that that maybe it's too bizarre or it's too out there that you just, you give them options one through three and not four through six. So uh, that's probably, you tell me if I'm wrong in that, but there may be some things that, that it's probably not appropriate to share with everyone, but you need to give them the options that are most likely to happen and those that will give them a way to process the uncertainty. Absolutely. And I think the key is um, giving enabling them to be part of the solution, right? Enabling them to contribute to making things better. However, that is, we're not going to fix our business overnight. That's not realistic, but there are ways that you can invite your people to contribute in different ways to be part of the solution. And I think Look, everybody wants to come to work and know that what they do really matters. Right. And now more than ever, people are being asked to step outside those traditional roles and do other things. Um, and maybe, it, I mean, we're doing it in other places. We're all working. Right. Many of us are working from our homes. So I think just having that conversation and saying, you know, hey, Charles, this is what I'm struggling with. Do you have any ideas? How, how can we like navigate through this? There's got to be a way to navigate through this. And giving people a voice gives them a sense of control. Right. I think that's the key. Just remember that people feel like they have no control over what's happening. Right. The so uncertainty. Them a, that's right. Giving them a sense of control is huge. Yeah. And it may be, I know this, is, this would be terrible to have the communication with people, but part of the survival of the business may mean that we need to have fewer employees and some of the employees may be asked to to work less hours or you may you may reduce the number of employees that you have so even though that's bad news that if you confront people with that and and how that will happen and the decision to be made that puts people at 
it removes the uncertainty and at least they know if this happens, here's the bad thing that will happen and, and I can deal with that. Then they can work out the other options. Okay, I need to look for other employment. I need to do I need to cut this spending out of my personal budget. So there's things that they can take action to control that uncertainty. Absolutely. There's a great book called Everybody Matters. And it it describes exactly what you just laid out there. There are times when companies have to make really hard choices. Right. And choices that impact families. Right. And, you know, their employees. But in Everybody Matters, you know, they go, they explain how they kind of let people own the problem. Right. And let people, and when you let people own the problem, then they will be, take a more vested interest in finding solutions. And in this particular case, you know, folks stepped forward and said, I'm, I'm, I don't have a family, so I'm going to take, you know, an extra week. I'm going to furlough an extra week so that this person doesn't have to furlough an extra week because that guy has three kids. Yeah. You know, that's Um, funny that you said that. I I have a neighbor that um, he works for the airline industry and he told me that exact same thing. He said, He's going to take. He's volunteering himself to take time off because there are other employees, other other pilots that need to work because they have families. He's in a position where he's it's later in his career and he has he can afford not getting a paycheck. He can do a, a voluntary furlough to keep other people employed. So you're exactly right. Yeah, and you know I think um, in defense of leadership, like I don't know too many leaders who can't wait to do the next bad thing to their employees. I mean, that's just not what this is about, (laughs) but you know, I think that what I think what people often underestimate is by sharing the real news, by letting everyone own the problem. It, you know, on one hand, intellectually, you think, well, it's my burden to carry. I don't want to burden them with these problems. But when you let them own it, then you also let them own the solution. And right. that is where the contribution piece comes in. When people can step up and say, you know what, I'm I, I'm good. I've got some savings. I'm going to take the month of July off and I'm going to spend time with my kids. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, people will step up in ways that will surprise you if they're given the opportunity. Yeah, and it's almost like um... – that burden has a certain weight to it. I know that sounds that sounds kind of corny, but if you spread that weight out to more people, it's everybody has less weight on them, and that you can come to solutions better that way, also. Absolutely, and I think also employees feel a greater sense of trust. Like, wow, he trusts us enough to be honest with us and to let us, you know, help find a way through this this dark place that we're in. And this, it's, yeah. I mean, these are unprecedented times, you know, so nobody has the playbook. No, nope, they don't. No one has the answer. I'm going to give you uh, in the closing minute that we have here. So you, I'm going to put you, tell us your uh, email address in case people want to subscribe to the weekly newsletter that you send out. Well, they can, um, my website is easier to remember. It's Melissa Hughes R-O-C-K-S. Okay. And there they can get in touch with me via email. They can sign up for my NeuroNugget. They can find my blog. They can find everything there. Perfect. Here's the blog that's on your website, and it's got just some great knowledge uh, nuggets. Uh, what's the, what is the term that you call it? They're, these are NeuroNuggets. NeuroNuggets. Friday, that's I send right. out a NeuroNugget, and it's a three- to five-minute 
video of some fantastic brainiac factoid that you just can't live without. I love it. I love the neuro nuggets. We have the nuggets of knowledge on answers that count. So what a great combination. Melissa, this has been a great show. This is, uh, you, you know, you just can't get enough of this stuff to really help you understand how the brain works and how that you can use that knowledge to better equip yourself for uncertainty, stress, and to help those around you, not just for yourself, but those that, that you come in contact with. So especially if you're a leader, I mean, what great ammunition, what what a great uh, tools to have to help your employees and those that really look up to you. Understanding how the brain works is the best way to build your collective intelligence. And that will give you an an advantage over your competitors every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Melissa, it's been awesome. Hmm. Thank you so much. This has been such a delight having you on our show. We looked forward to having you. I want to get you back on another show because there's so much more we can talk about. So I want to welcome you back for a future show. I know you'll do it. I want to come back anytime. All right, Thank great. You so, much. so you've been watching Answers Account. I'm your host, Charles Musgrove. You know where to catch us on all your favorite podcast channels. We're on YouTube, Roku TV, Amazon Fire TV. Subscribe, hit the notification button. Check us every week. Check those other shows out. Have a great day. Blessed week. Peace. Answers That Count is brought to you by The Bean Team. For all your business accounting needs, visit beanteam.com for more info. You can listen to more episodes of Answers That Count on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Or visit answersthatcount.com.